Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, so today, moms, I have such a treat for you. This is so awesome. So I don't know what your plans are for Mother's Day, um, but hopefully it involves rest and being catered to, and hopefully it looks no different than your normal Monday because your family loves and honors you so consistently and so much. I'm dropping some hints here to help somebody out, okay? Just me. Okay, these are all hints for me. It's going to be a fun day, guys. You can laugh at my jokes today, by the way. Um, so, so today is Mother's Day, and, and the conversation is really, really helpful because we're really going to be speaking into rest. We're starting this new series called The Sauce Today, Not-So-Secret Soul Care. And um, this is just kind of what I felt like God wanted us to move into as we moved out of our mental health and emotional health series over the last couple of weeks. And we have some guest speakers coming out over the next month to breathe deep into our community. I'm so excited for, for it. And I, and I realize, like, you know, we have people walking in on all kinds of different, you know, places on their spiritual journey. And so, listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey today, today's conversation is going to be helpful for you. Hopefully, it adds some clarity to where you are, maybe what your next steps might be, um, where, where you want to go, where you don't want to go. Hopefully, all those things become clear. But before we get into it, I want to I speak today about rest. And so how many of you guys have like summer, summer vacation plans? Anybody? Staycations, vacations, go somewhere. How many of you have already been somewhere? You just had like COVID vacations over and over again, right? Somebody just got back from Mexico for like four months. I just heard it. We got a couple of people from back from Hawaii. And all I'm saying is if you're going somewhere, take me with you, okay? But right, we live in a culture, we live in a culture that runs really, 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 really hard for really long periods of time. And then uh, the, the rhythm in our Western culture is like work, 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 grind, 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 push, push, push all the way to the vacation. And then you can just kind of collapse, right? And so sometimes you don't even have enough energy to get to a real vacation. You just call it a staycation and you sleep for four days, right? That's the reality. But how, how many of you genuinely have ever had like an awesome vacation plan, whether it's like something local that doesn't cost a lot of money, you go to the mountains or it's something awesome, you get to go do something cool far away, costs a little bit more money, but it's an experience, right? How many of you guys have engaged in those things and had a blast, but then you get back and you're just flat exhausted from your vacation, right? And so then you need a vacation from your vacation, right? How, how weird is that? What's unfortunate is most of the time our budget and our calendars don't allow us to have a second vacation. How rude. Right, so we have these, these rhythms in our life of like just pedal to the metal. So I just bought my kids uh, this mini bike, and um, this is um, just a little like 100cc mini bike. It's kind of cute, right? Like it's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, um, probably can't get hurt on it, at, at least not as much as you could other ways. Um, so I just bought my kids this guy, and um, it's got something called a governor on it. You guys familiar with that? Right, so a governor is like a cap on the accelerator. So, uh, um, this can get up to like mm, 30 miles an hour, which for like my five-year-old is a bit much, right? Would you agree? Okay. Actually, my five-year-old can't even touch the ground yet, so we're getting there, right? I might have been a little premature on this purchase, but uh, we'd be lying if it wasn't a little bit for me too, okay? All right, so anyway, 
Just a little bit confession this morning. You guys cool with that? So, so it's got a governor on it. What that means is that even though the motor can run at a certain speed, it maxes out about like 20 miles an hour. So 20 is about all you're going to get out of it with the governor. So there's lots of people who want to take little, little bikes like this or whatever they've got, and they want to, t- to remove the governor to get the most out of it, right? So our Western culture, man, this is probably programmed into you, right? Like we live this like pedal to the metal, everything you've got, full throttle all the time, right? And we live lives without governors. Does this make sense? Like, like there's just no cap. We, we push it and we push it and we push it. And we do it in all kinds of areas. It's not just like your nine to five that we're talking about. We're talking about the ideas of achievement and accumulation and everything that we pursue. And sometimes they're really good things that we chase after, but genuinely, right, we throttle it hard all the time. And sometimes it's because of our own dispositions, right, that we throttle really, really hard. And other times, like, we don't have a lot of control over maybe how hard we're grinding, right? Maybe your, your work is, is causing you to put in maybe more than you'd like to, but regardless of what it is. Or if you have little kids, it's just like pedal to the metal all the time, right? Like, you don't get a break. They don't care what time you went to bed because they're getting up at the same time the next morning, right? It's really unfortunate that you can't just, like, you know, dose them up with, never mind, we're not going to go there. But you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's hard to have pedal to the metal all the time. And, and what happens is we have this rhythm in our minds that we're going to run really hard and then get to a vacation. We're just going to hit the brakes and that's going to recharge our souls and we're going to get to a, a space where we're able to be healthy again. And the reality is, and you know this, that as, as enjoyable as a vacation can be and as enjoyable as, as those breaks can be, they still don't satisfy that thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like, 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 there's still this gap in you. Like, you're glad you got to rest, but, but it's like your soul didn't get to reset. It's like, it's like your body and soul are still kind of catching up to each other. It's like, okay, I got to rest, but I'm not necessarily going back to the normal rhythms of life in a better way than when I stopped. Does that make sense to you? So here's why I'm presenting this. We're going to do some backwards work today. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to present a spiritual discipline from the life of Jesus today that I think is the built-in governor for our souls. I think God is so good and he loves us so much that he's given us a governor for life. It's actually like built into the rhythm and the DNA of the universe, this rhythm for our souls that quite frankly, most people avoid, uh, ignore for lots of different reasons. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So today I'm going to kind of give you like the 30,000 foot view of this conversation. I'm going to give you a lot of resources to dig in. So again, if you're a follower of Jesus, this might be a new uh, spiritual discipline for you that, that you can test run. And again, listen, hear me. This is not like a legalistic conversation. This is not you need to do this or, you know, X, Y, and Z. That's not it at all. This is an invitation. This is a gift from God that you can choose to receive or not. And I, I think it's just that good. I don't know why you wouldn't receive it, okay? My family's going to um, Disney World next weekend. Come on. Talk about vacations. You're like, what a hypocrite. No, man, I'm pumped about it. We're going to Disney World. It's so exciting. My kids, seven more sleeps until Disney World. We're going to Mickey Mouse's house. We're counting down the sleeps, and I'm so pumped about it. But I realized that while, man, that's going to be an incredible gift to our family, that's not what keeps my soul full or recharged or at a place to where genuinely I can love and serve and give of myself in a way that's healthy consistently, that I can be the husband I want to be, the, the dad I want to be, the pastor I want to be, the neighbor I want to be, the son I want to be. And so today we're going to speak a little bit into um, this, this governor. But before we get there, I'm going I'm to do a little bit of backwards work. You guys with me? All right. So desire. Let, let's talk about desire for a minute, like the, the drive that gets you out of bed in the morning, right? Desire is a really good thing. Right? Like desire is that thing that, that gets you out of bed at 3, 3 a.m. so you can climb a 14er, right? Like it's, it's a good motivator 
for, for a lot of places in our life, we have these, this desire and this ambition. It drives us to relationships. It drives us to career. It drives, it drives us to achievement and accumulation and experiences, right? Like, desire is a really good thing. And, and, and it allows us to do things that, that maybe we wouldn't do. It, it makes us get out of bed in the morning when maybe we wouldn't have any motivator otherwise. But desire, when it gets out of control, it, it really, it's, it's kind of like a fire in a fireplace, right? So you and I have this drive internally that's really, really good. I think it's a gift from God. But it's meant to have a container, okay, like, like the fire in your fireplace, right? So fire in a fireplace is a good thing. Fire on the carpet is a less good thing, right? And so desire, when it gets out of control, that's when you and I start to get into some trouble. So like the author of Ecclesiastes says it this way. He said, um, the eye is never satisfied with seeing, you ever been there, right? Like, just, there's this constant pursuit of more. And, we, and this can be materialism. This can be achievement. This can be success. This can be all kinds of things. This can be relationships. So don't get stuck in a category. I don't know where your mind is today. But the eye is never satisfied with seeing. Or maybe a more, like, current famous theologian that you might be familiar with, he said it this way, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> right? You with me? Like, like, like ask the question, what, what, does it take, what does it take to find satisfaction? What does it take to like genuinely, truly like be satisfied at a soul level? Is it that is it that grad degree that you're working really hard for? Is it that dream job? Is that relationship? Is it finally having kids? Is it you know getting that thing? Right? I mean, what is it that you know when we when we start to chase after things, what is it that that it, we really get to a satisfaction level deep in our soul? And the answer, one one uh, philosopher said, is everything. <laughs> That's what it takes to get satisfied is everything. I've got to have every experience and everything that I can possibly imagine in order to be truly satisfied. And, and as I started to reflect on this, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Let me introduce you to a, a book called The Road Back to You. I'm a big book nerd, so I'm going to give you lots of resources today. I'm give you three books today, okay? So some of you are like, well, that's my reading for the next three years. You're welcome, okay? But, but The Road Back to You is a, a really powerful book. Uh, based on faith in the Enneagram. And uh, one of our desires here at City Church is that you would be able to lead yourself and then eventually lead others, okay? I think the, call, the invitation uh, of following Jesus starts first with leading yourself. And so this is an incredible tool for that book. And, it, and it's based on the Enneagram, which is like a personality and emotional health assessment, okay? So like, this might be totally foreign to you. It's totally okay. I just want to give you kind of a perspective. When we're talking about desire, we're talking about satisfaction, we're talking about pursuits. Like, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which like, like just means that I'm just like full throttle all the time. I'm a really intense person. And so uh, uh, Ian Morgan Cron, he, he says it this way. Let me show you this quote. He says, the eight's deadly sin. Every number is one through nine has like a deadly sin, this thing that we continually go to. So my deadly sin is a pronounced lust. And not like, you know, strictly in the sexual sense. We're talking about an intensity of life. Ask my wife. Ask my wife. Like, like fighting is my love language, Okay. Like, if I'm yelling at you, that means, it's a joke, by the way, okay? I don't yell at my wife, goodness, guys. Everybody's like, I can't believe we came to this church. Oh, my gosh. An intensity of life. Now, listen to this. I, I don't know. So this is me, okay? I totally identify with this. And my assumption is you're going to identify with this maybe to a lesser degree, but I think this speaks to the human condition. Check this out. Eights can overwork. Overparty, come on, somebody. Overeat, overexercise, overspend, over anything. Right? Whatever it is, I'm going to be the best at it, and I'm going to do it the hardest. For an eight, too much of a good thing is almost enough. Anyway, I was going to give you some more, but we're going to stop there. Okay, so he goes on. Check this out. He, he talks about desire in an eight. This is amazing. Desire is an unquenchable 
fire, a restlessness, a longing, a disquiet, a hunger, a loneliness, a gnawing nostalgia, a will, a wildness that can't be tamed, a congenital all-embracing ache that lies at the center of human experience and is the ultimate force that drives everything else. He goes on. And he says, I have a hunch, as he reflects on, on this quote, I have a hunch that eights are more in touch with, or perhaps even endowed with, a greater measure of this divine eros than the rest of us. Check this out. They're finite creatures trying to manage an overfull tank of infinite desire. Infinite, and when I read this, guys, it like sparked something in my mind. Infinite desire. Isn't that like the, the disposition of the human soul? Isn't that the challenge? Go ahead and throw that up there. Infinite desire. Desire is infinite. That, that's the problem, right, we run into. The reason you and I live in this culture and it's so easy to get played by social media and advertisements and it's so easy to fall into the American Western culture grind of more and more and more and more and more is because desire is infinite and it's never satisfied. You know what the problem is? We are not. That's the problem. Desire inside of us, it is infinite. It's this scratch or this itch that we can't scratch enough. No matter how much we get experiences, stuff, success, accolades, accumulation, relation, you name it. It's never quite enough. How much do you need? I don't know, but probably just a little bit more. I want to give you an equation. We have infinite desire, and what we run into is we have a finite self, right? So even, let's just say you had all the money in the world to do just access to anything you could possibly, like, like everything that you could ever possibly get your hands at every relationship, every experience. The reality is we're still finite. And so even with all of the resources in the world, you and I could still, we, we still would not be able to fill the cup of this infinite desire because we literally don't have enough days and hours to get there, right? You see that? And so what happens is we end up in this place of restlessness. Restlessness, this, this unsettling. You guys ever sit there? Can, can I be honest, guys? I, I get stuck here often. I love Jesus. He changed my life at 15 years old. But man, my soul constantly goes back to looking in a space that's not helpful for me, the things that don't satisfy, and I can go easily just get stuck there in all kinds of different paradigms. And so you and I have this itch that's never satisfied, this restlessness in our soul. And then we look for something to take the edge off. And we turn to lots of different things to get to a place to where we can like, just take it easy. And it never seems to get us there. And part of it is because uh, some, some theologians say it this way, that, that infinite desire is wired into us because it's meant to be satisfied in relationship with an infinite God. That the only space that you and I find the satisfaction that we're looking for, the only place that we find a rest for our souls that actually brings us rest is in a relationship with the one who created us. It's the only infinite source that we can tap our souls into. Here's the problem is that, right, we, we live in this kind of paradigm in the Western world of accumulation and accomplishment, right? And I don't know what, what kind of pushes you in and what you chase after on your own. I, I find myself on both paradigms constantly, accumulation and accomplishment, just over and over again. 
you and I receive up to 4,000 advertisements a day. Buy this, do this, go here, experience this, achieve this. We have this constant battering of our lives against a restlessness. And then we have access to social media now that is just crushing us because it creates in us this envy that you and I know far too well. Agreed for someone else's life and their experiences. Uh, to, to have a contentment, contentment that you see in someone else that you wish you had for yourself. There is an actual behavioral diagnosis currently in our culture right now called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. It's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiety. So if we were to just take an assessment of your own personal life, how present are you? How much does that thing in your pocket dictate your time and your attention and your energy? Would you say that you're just a completely, like, totally zen person <laughs> in the moment, at peace all the time? Or do you find yourself in this space of chasing and chasing and chasing and una- unable to find rest? Augustine, St. Augustine says it this way. Check this out. He says that in, in, in reflection of a relationship with God, he says that you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. What he's getting at is that our souls truly find their homes in a relationship with God. And, and I realize like, you might be walking on, on your, like, different paradigms of your spiritual journey, and so you're kind of wrestling about like, why do you believe what you believe and, and where you're standing on this. That's fine. Like, like, just kind of lean in and listen to the conversation today and see where it might meet you. But as, as we evaluate this, let, let me ask this question. Is there, is there something in the life of a Jesus follower, is there something that we see in the life of Jesus that can address this problem of restlessness in our souls? The answer is absolutely, but it might not be maybe what you've been exposed to in the past. So let me show you Matthew 11. Check this out. This is from Jesus. This is amazing. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I know it's Mother's Day. I know it's supposed to be, woo, you know it's Mother's Day. That's exciting. I know. But if you're like me, dude, I woke up tired today. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you what? Rest. How many of you, your exposure to church and religion and following Jesus has been anything but rest? Come to me, and I'm going to give you a burden. I'm going to make you feel guilty and ashamed and frustrated. I'm going to make you work harder and be a better person and feel the weight of it, right? That's not the invitation of Jesus. This is where we get it backwards. Is religion presents something totally different from a relationship with Jesus, and he's, he's getting at it here. He says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is like a, um, an instrument that, that two oxen would use to pull a plow or to pull a cart. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going I'm to shoulder this life with you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you're going to find rest for your souls. There it is again. Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Genuinely, man, what's your experience been like with following Jesus up to this point? What's been your exposure, your understanding? Does it match up with this right here? Let me show you the message version, okay? This is really helpful. I love the language that he uses here. This is a, a oh, I'm sorry, go, go to the next one. Do you have the message? Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Um, Here's just the different translation of that same verse, okay? Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Not a seven-day getaway on a vacation. A real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you're going to learn to live freely and lightly. Anybody else want that? Man, when I, when I read that, I lean into Jesus, and I'm like, that sounds so good. And yet, it's like right, right there sometimes, right? So let's talk about it. Uh, can you go back to that power bar picture for a second? The power bar, like, okay, so, so if you, where, where would you scale yourself today? If you walked in, like, this is your soul, okay? Where's the energy levels of your soul? You, you know, somebody, we, we have days off. We have little things that we do to try to, like, replenish us. But most of the time, I, th- I think this is consistent for you and me. Um, we we kind of get depleted by the week or life experiences, emotionally, physically, mentally, all those things, right? We start to get depleted in our souls. And we work, we do something to try to recharge a little bit, right? What's your recharge? Just think about it for a sec. Like, what are those things for you? And usually, you know, we can get up to, like, the 50, the, the 60 percentile, right? And kind of we have these rhythms of, like, getting a little bit recharged just to get back through the day. Right, so I just need to get a little bit more. I'm going to recharge a little bit. Whatever it is, Netflix binge, you know, eat some good food, maybe a nice glass of wine or whatever. I'm going to recharge the soul a little bit, but I'm going to get to like the 50 or 60 just so I can make it to the next day. Are you guys with me? Right, you, you, you like turn around a day and you don't necessarily feel like you're operating at 90 or 100%. Here's the deal. When Jesus invites us into following him, he's not inviting us into this like ragged, weary, frustrating, just crushing us effort of like, be good enough so hopefully God will love you one day. Right? That's not the invitation at all. He says, man, you give your life to me and you're going to find rest for your soul. And he uses words like, like out of that relationship, he's going to produce in your life love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. He says, those are the things that are going to flow out of you when you're in relationship and tandem with me. Can I ask you a question? Just genuinely, guys. Do those words describe your life on a, on a regular basis? Your interactions and your relationships? Because they don't always for me. You know what happens when you and I operate out of this like 50 or 60 percentile area of energy? Instead of, instead of love and joy and peace and all those things, we, we end up you know, bringing frustration and burden and, and negativity and a shortness of temper, right? We actually produce the opposite. John Mark Comer says it this way. He says that 80% of loving well, like Jesus invites us into, is, is actually found in being emotionally healthy and spiritually awake, getting our souls to a rested and recharged place. I want you to imagine, I have a little boy, he's five years old, his name is Grayson. I want you to imagine that he grabs my dog, and they roll inside, and they've been playing in the mud, and they come inside and just mud all over the house, right? He rolls in, he's outside playing, he's totally, like, clueless, right, has no idea, like, like, like a five-year-old does at times, and he rolls in, and there's just mud everywhere, okay? Again, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so I'm a little more intense maybe than usual, Okay? So I have a couple options, right? I have the appropriate response. I have the helpful response. I have the loving, patient, joyful, let's deal with it appropriately response. And then I have the lose my stuff response, right? Can I be honest? Nine times out of ten, when I'm not rested, when I'm operating in this zone over here, I lose my stuff. And I don't look very much like Jesus. I wouldn't characterize it by love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. 
And here's what's ironic, is that you and I, like, I could, I could have spent three hours with Jesus that morning, come right out of spending time with Jesus into that mess, and I would have lost it. Right? And, you, and so then you ask the question, well, like, what good is it spending three hours with Jesus? Listen, there's a difference of the discipline, the routine of spending time with Jesus daily and then having a soul that is rested. There's a difference in that space. And so I can do all the Jesus activity that I want, but if my soul is not in a good space, I'm not going to be able to give what I don't have. Does that make sense to you guys? This is the conversation we're having today. So throw it out there one more time, Matthew 11. You guys got that again? I'll read it one more time. Hey, Daniel, why don't you come up, man? As Daniel comes up, I'm just going to kind of invite you into this big picture. You guys don't even know what we're talking about yet. Like, what's the secret? What is the rest? I'm going to get there. I'm almost there. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you're going to recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms. See it? Rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you. Or ill-fitting. Keep company with me. And you're going to learn to live freely and lightly. Here's what's amazing. Right after this exact passage, Matthew 11, right after Jesus says these words, you know what he talks about? There are two stories and parables immediately following this passage, and they are dealing with the concept of Sabbath. Throw it up there. Sabbath. This word Sabbath, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, um, the Hebrew word is Shabbat. And it literally means to stop. To stop. Stop what? Stop working. Stop wanting. Stop worrying. To stop. To be still. And, and listen, listen, I'm, I'm giving you like the 30,000 of you today, right? So, so I'm, I can't give you it all today. But as we talk about the Sabbath, what is it? It's a 24-hour time block that we're invited to come into, and, and it kind of resets our souls. It's like Disney World every seven days. <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving, but without all the family drama, every seven days. <laughs> It's meant to be a celebration, not a burden. It's an invitation to rest, to stop working and wanting and worrying and to rest. And, and let, me, let me give you this, okay, to, to define a discipline. There, there's lots of spiritual disciplines in the Christian life, and, and they, don't, they don't save us, okay? Like, like, Jesus doesn't love me because of what I do. I am loved because of what Jesus has done for me. Some of you need to hear that today. Listen. Jesus came and lived a perfect life like I can't. He came with a, a holistic, centered soul like I don't have. He died in my place for my sin on the cross like I deserve. He was buried like any normal dead person was, but then three days later, he got back up from the grave. And that singular moment in history changed everything for everyone. That the same life that Jesus declared over the grave, he can declare over you. And at 15 years old, Jesus took this dead life and he made it new. And if you've never had a moment of experiencing that love and that relationship, it's found in faith in Jesus, not spiritual disciplines, not going to church, not giving money, not being a good person, not, not working really hard, not, not killing anybody, right? It, it, it's, it's not about your morality because Jesus said you can't be good enough to get there. But Jesus shows up and says, you know what? I'm going to be good enough for you. 
And it's a gift that you receive, not something that you earn. And so then a part of a spiritual discipline, this is so important. Spiritual disciplines don't make us right with God, but they deepen the relationship with God. A discipline is saying no to something because I want to say yes to something even better. That's what a discipline is, right? I'm saying no to something so I can say yes to something even better. So let me give you just a quick paradigm, okay? The first time I heard about the Sabbath, okay? You might be familiar with this or might not, okay? Um, If you're not, I'm going to kind of catch you up. So Sabbath is like one of the big ten. You guys familiar with like Ten Commandments or at least heard of them, right? Moses and the you shall not pass. That was Gandalf. That was a joke. That's funny. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the same guy, right? Where's I going with that? All right, Big Ten. Big Ten. So the Big Ten, right? Honestly, if we just took a poll in the room, I think everybody in the room would agree with the Big Ten. Like, don't kill people? It's probably a good idea. Don't lie? Okay. I mean, you know, we do it sometimes, but I mean, it's still not a good thing to do. But, right? Uh, don't cheat on your wife? I mean, it's a pretty good suggestion. The Ten Commandments, right? Here's what's ironic about the Ten Commandments, right? Is that they're good things. And Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do. Right? He came to fulfill the law for us because we can't be good enough, right? But, but it didn't, like, disqualify. Right? It didn't, like, remove that, oh, you know what, kill anybody you want now, right? It didn't change that. Right? We're like, oh, yeah, you know, we should probably keep those. Here's what's ironic. One of the Big Ten, did you know this, is the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Did you know that? So here's what's ironic. I was a pastor for six, seven years. When, first time I heard this presented. And here's how, here's how it came about. <laughs> this is awesome. So why is it this guy said, this guy, was, he was leading a conference. He said, why is it that we act like the other nine are really important and then we just ignore the one? Like, why, why is it that we dismiss it that way? It seems inconsistent, doesn't it, to pick and choose? And so he says, I think we need to take it seriously. If God chose to put it in there, maybe there's a reason for it. And so then this pastor, he said, I, we take the Sabbath so seriously here that if you tell me to skip my Sabbath, you might as well ask me to cheat on my wife. And I was like, dang. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We're getting serious about the Sabbath. That's the first time I heard it. And it it changed everything, right? I was a workaholic, guys. Achievement was everything. Success was everything. I'm going to work and prove myself. Value, worth, all of that identity was wrapped up in what I can do with my mind and my hands and my heart and relationships and what I'm building and what I'm working on and what I'm accumulating and what I'm achieving. There's a drive way out of control. And my soul was just running on fumes. No governor burning out and burning out other people along the way because I couldn't keep up I just dragged them with me the first time that God talks about the Sabbath is not in the Ten Commandments it's in the creation story check this out six days God creates on the seventh he rests and he calls it a Sabbath why? was God tired? woo it's a lot of work (laughs) creating the universe and stuff no, nah, man, right? He wasn't tired. Why did God rest? Because part of Sabbath is delight. It's stopping and enjoying. Stop wanting. Stop working. Stop worrying. And enjoy what I already have. It's just drinking deep from the well of ordinary life. John Mark Homer says it this way in his book, uh, uh, The Ruthless Elimination Hurry. Let me show you this. By the way, highly recommend. I can't give it all to you today, right? This book, I read 50 books last year. This is number one on that list. I read amazing books last year. Number one on the list last year. 
It's a great listen. It's a great read. The ruthless elimination of hurry. And here's what he says, that if you go against the grain of the universe, this rhythm, this rest that's, that we need, this governor on our life, you get splinters. <laughs> you get splinters, right? And we see it, right? You work, 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 work. You ever notice that your body starts to shut down? People get sick. Right? There's a rhythm built into it. You notice how, like, when we farm, right, we also give the land a break, right? Our souls aren't that much different. The Sabbath is meant to be a delight, a space of rest. And and here's what I'm saying when I take a Sabbath. It's a 24-hour time block. Okay, so my family, we take it Friday evening to Saturday evening, right? Sundays are a work day for us. We grind hard on Sundays. So for for you, maybe a Sunday, right? It's 24 hours. So we take 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., Friday to Saturday. And we Sabbath hard. We delight hard. We rest hard hard. We party hard in all the right ways, in all of my intensity, in the appropriate amount, and we do it differently because our souls are a little different. But lately, we've been kicking it off. We party. We, we go to Shake Shack on a Friday night, six o'clock, and we buy some cheeseburgers and some french fries and a chocolate shake, and my kids take french fries, and they dip it in the ice cream. It's like the coolest thing they've ever experienced in their life. They're like, we get to put French fries in ice cream. And every time we sit around the table and we say, thank you, God, for the Sabbath. We're going to kick it off with a party and some calories and some sugar. And we go around the table and we're just trying this out, experimenting. It changes up every now and then. What are you thankful for? What are you grateful for this week? Let's celebrate and kick off the Sabbath. And I'm trying to teach my kids that God has built in some rhythms of rest. So you know what? I'm looking forward to Disney. Love it. Pumped about it. But every Saturday, every Friday evening to Saturday evening, it's like a mini Disney trip, guys. (laughs) It's something that we get to anticipate. Listen, listen. We don't work for rest. The grain of this thing that God has built into our souls, it's to work from rest. You see it? It's different. So when I Sabbath, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm declaring. I'm saying it out loud. Sabbath says, enough. Enough is enough. I lack nothing. What I really need is time to enjoy what I already have. It's this governor on the speed of life that lets you reset, lets your soul catch up to your body. So I don't have to be a slave to the grind. Last book. <laughs> Emotionally Healthy Leader, will you throw that up there for me? This is uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by P- Peter uh, Schizero. Second on the list, one and two. Highly recommend, okay? And he gives us a couple of paradigms that I'm going to give you today. You're like, how do I practice Sabbath, okay? So first you identify a 24-hour period of time. You're like, well, what, why is it different from a day off, right? That's really what we're asking. So let me give you just four quick things, okay? The first thing he says is you're going to stop. Why are we stopping? Because we're letting go of the illusion that we are indispensable to running the world. Some of you type A personalities, you get this. Others of you are like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I, can, I can check out easy. But we stop. Let me read this for you. Sabbath can be terrifying because doing nothing productive leaves us feeling vulnerable. 
When I can overwork, I can hide the feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness. When I pursue more stuff, I can hide from myself. If I can just keep busy, I can outrun that internal voice in my life that says I'm not good enough. I'm never safe enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not extraordinary enough. I'm never successful enough. And so if I can just keep busy, I can ignore that voice. You hear that voice? Because I do. Sabbath is saying, I am not what I accomplish. Here's what's amazing, okay? If you get nothing else from today, Sabbath is screaming at the top of our lungs that I can do nothing productive today and I am still utterly loved. That's the invitation of Sabbath. It's the truth of the good news of Jesus all along, it's every seven days I remind myself of it. I'm not loved because of what I do or how I perform. So first I'm gonna stop. The second thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rest. Right, you're gonna engage in activities that replenish you, okay? So I don't know what that is for you. For some of you, it's hiking. For some of you, you're like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> it's whatever it is for you. It's napping, right? Man, one of the like, most amazing spiritual things you can do is take a nap. Eat good food, enjoy good hobbies, play sports, take another nap. It's just, it's just resting well in what that means for you. Danielle and I are very different people. Pe- time with people recharges me. It does not for her. What is it for you? So we work together on our Sabbath. The next thing is we're going to delight. Delight. Ask the question, guys, seriously. What, what gives you joy and delight? That's what you're going to engage on in Sabbath, okay? 24-hour period of time. I'm going to stop work. By the way, paid and unpaid work, okay? No laundry, no chores, no little things to do around the house. You know what? I find a lot of joy in working on cars, so I can do that on Sabbath because it's fun for me. But only if it's fun. There's sometimes when stuff breaks and I don't want to do it, so I don't on Sabbath. You know yourself well enough, okay? Stop, rest, delight. Last thing is contemplate. Contemplate. This is not time off from God. It's not 24 hours of, like, getting away from God and being by myself. This is actually a day of drawing closer to him. The Sabbath is an invitation to see the invisible in the visible, to look for God's goodness in the ordinary. And here's what we're going to find. Listen, when we get quiet and when we stop, we're going to find that there's some things that God wants to deposit into our souls that he can only do in this space. And I think what we're also going to find is that the quieter we get, the more that we stop and slow down, we're going to find that God is speaking a lot. So, your homework this week? Just make a plan. Just try it. Listen, there's no right or wrong way. This is not a law. It's not legalism. Just give it a shot. Identify your 24-hour time period. Process through what am I stopping, rest, delight, what am I going to contemplate, how am I going to spend time with God, and just give it a shot, okay? That's your homework for the week. And just see. Just see what it looks like. You're not going to get it right the first time. It takes over and over again figuring it out. But this is an invitation, okay? This is a gift that you and I receive. A governor on the speed of life that allows us to re set. So, listen, some of you, you don't need this discipline today. Because what you need is a relationship with God. Right? Forget the discipline for a minute. Because the discipline means nothing outside of the relationship. Okay? So if you've never taken a step to trust in Jesus and give him your life, to find rest for your souls that's found first in faith in him, nothing else, nothing you do. You simply receive that gift. Others of you, you have the relationship, you need the discipline. 
You're burning yourself out and you're wearing yourself out. This is one of the ways that you can press in and find rest for your soul. Imagine with me. Imagine with me a community of Jesus followers that are so rested and charged up that the things that are flowing out of them are love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, where we live, work, and play in every space. Imagine the overflow of people who are deeply connected and working out of their rest. That's the invitation today. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for your word. Thanks for the gift of Sabbath. Thanks it's not a burden. Thanks for this invitation to recreate Disney World every Saturday. Come on. Our souls need it. I realize, man, we're walking in with all kinds of stuff. Today we want to celebrate moms, give them a day of rest. But God, man, we, we need rest for our souls, and we realize it's found in you. So I pray for any of my friends this morning that have not taken a step to trust in you and give uh, you their life, that the, today they would make a decision to trust in you because you love them and you've given for them. And I pray for my, my friends in the room who are followers of you, that they would evaluate this discipline. Maybe pick up a book and learn it some more and start to press into what it looks like to reset every seven days and live in a rhythm with you of the unforced rhythms of grace. It's in Jesus' name, amen.